Good morning, Christ Central. Good morning. It's so good to see you guys. It's really dark out there. Okay. Uh, at the count of three, I just want you guys to say the first word that comes to your mind when you think of Christmas, okay? When you think Christmas season's coming, the first thing that comes to your mind at the count of three all together. One, two, three. Wow, this is a holy group. I heard Jesus. I was hoping to hear other things like pine cone, presents, gifts, lights, something. Okay, come on, be your true self. Don't be like the I'm in church, Jesus. Okay, come on. You know you're sitting down there and you're thinking, oh my gosh, there's these sales going on. I got to get this gift, that gift, my kids' gifts, all these different things. Whatever it is. If you do Elf on the Shelf, you're thinking Elf on the Shelf. Whatever it is. At the count of three. One, two, three. Stress. I heard stress. <laughs> Somebody over here said stress. Um, Advent season, we're starting a series, it means the coming. The coming of Jesus through the birth of his son, but obviously we can't see that in isolation from the second coming of Jesus. So we expect the birth of Jesus through, um, through this Christmas season, but we look forward in expectation to the second coming of Jesus. Do I hear an amen? Jesus is coming, but we don't know when. It's only God the Father who knows, okay? Now, Christmas for us in my family... Uh, it does mean December 1st, we move the elf around. Now, if you don't have kids, you might know about this. I was introduced to this a year ago because I'm from South America and we don't do things like that. Okay? Elf on the shelf. So when my wife said there's this thing called elf on the shelf, the kids love it. You're supposed to every day move it around at night so that when the kids wake up in the morning, they look forward to it. And they're like, where's the elf? You name the elf. If you touch it, they lose the magic or whatever, all these things. And I'm like, that's so lame. And so we started doing it last year. And it was my favorite. I love it. You can buy all these props online and you can look at all these different things. I bought like a little candy. I put it on the chimney and I placed Falala. Jake named him Falala to like kind of reach for it. And I was like, Jake, where's Falala? He's reaching for the candy. He was like, no, no. And it's amazing. It's so fun. And so every day we put Falala somewhere else. It's amazing. It's great. America, just love it. And if it's not fall alive, if it ain't elf on the shelf, it's like Christmas lights. Which, by the way, last year was also my very first time in my 32 years being here, uh, being alive, that I put up Christmas lights. Can I get an applause, applause for that? I know, I know. And while I was doing it, I was dreading it. I'm like, why am I doing this? And then I looked at my son's face. When the lights came on, he was like... And it was all worth it. It was all worth it. And so every year now, I have to go put up the lights. And my wife, I love her to death, but so clever. She comes up with great ideas. She said, you know what? A couple of days ago, I guess she was in the spirit of Christmas. She's like, why don't we every year buy a Christmas floaty? And I'm like, oh, my God. Every year, really? Like we won't buy a Christmas floaty? And so Jake, my four-year-old son, every day has been saying floaty, floaty, floaty. And I'm like, oh, we got to get it. I don't know. If you guys know where the cheapest floaties are out there, please let me know after service. I got to get one before Christmas ends. Now Christmas, why am I sharing all these things? There are so many things that come when Christmas season is here, December 1st. And if it's not all those things, a lot of you guys are thinking about shopping, buying gifts, and all these different things. And I'm not saying any of that is bad. It's actually good. It actually brings the family together. But I wonder, I wonder if Christmas just means that, and then we forget the true 
the real meaning of what Christmas is. The coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through this baby born in a manger, through Mary who was betrothed to Joseph. And what that means because as we look at the passage today, I want us to look at this birth announcement, which by the way, if during Christmas, a lot of you guys also send Christmas cards, and I've been receiving some, thank you, they're lovely, they're great, and if you've had babies during this season attached to this Christmas card, you will also put a birth announcement, and we've been blessed at our church of having so many people have babies, you guys know some, and this is just kind of a side thing right now, one of our staff, Christian Spurlock and Lord just gave birth and there was a, a complication so please keep them in your prayers baby Lacey but they're getting better but also keep them in your prayers baby Lacey Christian and Alora Spurlock but if during this time you gave birth you will also send a birth announcement now with this birth announcement uh, there's general information such as welcome baby so-and-so seven pounds at this time, and if you want to be really detailed, you'll write at this hospital. But almost all, I mean, I have never seen in my whole life a birth announcement given before the baby is born. Never. I mean, can you imagine you have friends who are pregnant, and then you receive a birth announcement, and it says something like this, welcome future baby Joey will arrive in eight months, will most likely weigh about eight pounds. And for the picture, because you don't know how the baby actually looks like, it's like a big question mark. And furthermore, can you imagine if this birth announcement had the baby's future achievements, such as we'll get a 4.0 in high school and will eventually own his own company by age 38 and retire by 45 in Hawaii. If you received a birth announcement like that, it would be really, really weird and awkward. You would call them and say, hey, what's wrong with you? Like, seriously, is this a joke? But ironically and in a weird way, that's what we see here in the Gospel of Luke. We see a birth announcement given by Gabriel before Jesus was born. But if you want to take it even further, further to Old Testament, maybe four, maybe even some scholars say even 700 years before the birth of Jesus, we see all these prophecies. We see, hey, this baby's going to be born and Gabriel actually articulates it. And it's kind of weird. There's this baby coming and he's going to do all these things. He's going to be the king of the world, savior, and he's going to do all these things. And so I want to look at that and I want to point out two things as to why this birth announcement is so relevant to us today, 2017. Which, by the way, isn't it crazy how time flies? 2017, oh my goodness. So birth announcement, why it's so unique and relevant to us here. So if you guys have your Bibles, let me all hear you say word. Turn to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to look at chapter 1. It will be also projected on the screen. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start reading from verse um, 26 all the way to verse 38, so follow along, it's pretty lengthy. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. Everybody, let me hear you say great. And will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for this morning. Now, we see here the birth announcement and the dialogue of Gabriel, the angel sent by God with Mary. But right before this, we didn't have time to read it, there was a similar account of Gabriel, the same angel, giving a birth announcement to Zechariah of another baby named John the Baptist. Now, if we look at these two accounts, they're very, very, very similar. The way Gabriel approaches them, the response that Zechariah and Mary give give, but there is a clear difference. The baby. One is John the Baptist and one is Jesus. And so the way in which I want to approach this is the very first reason why this birth announcement is so unique is because number one, it highlights the superiority of God's son. Now let me repeat that again. The uniqueness of this birth announcement is that this birth announcement, it highlights the superiority of God's son. Now with John the Baptist, Gabriel said in verse 15 of chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, let me read for you. When he talks about John the Baptist, Gabriel says, John the Baptist will be great before the Lord. Yet, when Gabriel is talking about Jesus in verse 32, Jesus is, will be great. And he's going to be called the son of the most high. So we have John the Baptist is going to be great before the Lord. But here's Jesus, the superior one to John the Baptist, the greater one to John the Baptist. And not just John the Baptist, but to every single person in this world He is the great one. He is the son of the most high. Furthermore, when Gabriel is talking about John the Baptist in verse 17, he says, He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, whereas Jesus is holy. Can I hear you say holy? Holy. (laughs) That was kind of funny. (laughs) Holy. I mean, we're talking about he's going to be carried in the spirit. John the Baptist is great. He's really, he came for a purpose, for a mission to obviously set the way before the Lord. And John the Baptist is great. But look, check this out. Here's Jesus. He's greater. He is the great one. And there's no one great before him. 
after him during his time here on earth, even after he ascends back to heaven, there is no one greater than him, but he is the Holy One. Separate apart. I mean, there is no comparison here to Jesus. And the reason why this birth announcement is so relevant to us today is because I want to just surface really briefly, what do we mean by great? I made you repeat that word great. No, I said I made you repeat. You don't have to repeat right now. <laughs> great. When we think of great, we think of, I'm going to assume, great means financial success. Great means I, edu I get educated from the uh, most awesome college and I, I go to even a fur I further my education and then I get a great job. Great means worldly success. Great means all these different things to us, doesn't it? Now some of you are sitting there, there and then you're putting on your Christian caps on and you're like, no, you're going to say something different. That's not what great is. We have a tendency, oftentimes, to equate great and the greatness so far away from the biblical definition of what great is. You know what Jesus himself, after he's born from this manger and in a manger, and after 32-some years, when he's having a conversation with his disciples about who is the great one, do you know what Jesus says? Let's turn there. Luke chapter 22, in the same gospel... I don't think it was placed there by accident. This is what Jesus says about who is the great one. Verse 26 of chapter 22. Just listen carefully, okay? He says, for who is the greater? One who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He comes and in, he drops this not only theological bomb, but a social economic bomb. He says, look, you think that all the people out there praying in the public, saying all these fancy words, ooh, they're great. Or all these people who are fasting out there and let everybody know that they're fasting, they're great. Oh, let's even take it further. You think all the rich people out there and the wealthy ones are the great ones. And Jesus says, no, it's actually the one who serves, who gives sacrificially, who is selfless. Hence, Jesus was born in a manger through a virgin who was a teenager in the city of Nazareth, y'all. I mean, think about an obscure city around here, the place where you don't want to drive through, the place where you go, that's ghetto, like the city of Cerritos, you know. I'm thinking like, I'm just kidding. That was a joke, guys. I'm from Torrance, and that's why I'm just like Cerritos. My wife is from Cerritos, but wherever, I know most of you guys are from Cerritos or maybe from Placentia. But the area, whatever city you think is, man, this place, nothing good can come out of this place. Nothing good. Nothing good. That's where Jesus was born. Just by his birth and the coming of Jesus, the son of God, the great one is born and is revealed in a manger. What do we define as great? What do we define as great? When you think about people around you, friends, family, coworkers, and you go, man, that's a great person. Who, who do you think of? 
You know, I had to kind of think about this this past week and the week before because, and I'm not just saying this because I'm not placentia, but truly even two weeks ago when I was preaching at Artesia, I thought about some people here. When I think great, I think of some of those here that come at 6 in the morning. Yeah, surprise, there's people who come here at 6 in the morning. I thought about some people who come at a very ungodly hour, 6 o'clock, sacrifice their sleep, their time. I thought about some people who are behind the scenes, the stage, the person who's behind there, the people who right now are serving in children's ministry so that you could be here. I thought about this one lady who I used to do juvie ministry with. I only did it for three years. She's probably on her 16th year and she's still doing it till this day. She drives from Venice all the way to San Dimas every Wednesday, stuck in traffic for two and a half hours. And during Christmas season, you know what she does? She gathers people around her, her friends, and says, hey, donate toothpaste, toothbrush, whatever it is. Because I'm going to personally make these packages for about 60 to 70 kids in juvie. And I'm going to go ahead and give it to them. I'm going to give them a hug and say, Jesus loves you. And while I was there for three years, I saw Almost every kid in there cry when they receive this hug from this lady who barely speaks English. I thought of her. Man, she is not only great, she is amazing. She doesn't do it because she wants people or the county of L.A. to go, whoa, here's your medal or here's whatever for your great service or sacrifice. No, she does it because she understands the transformative love of Christ Jesus. And as a response of that, simply she says, I got to give more. Not because I want people to recognize. Not because it's a duty or someone's forcing me to do it. It's because it's a response simply to the greatness of our God Jesus by humbling himself all the way, not only becoming human, but to the point of death. That is great. Let me share with you one other person who I think is great, and it's another lady. I think there's a theme there. I don't know why I don't think men are great, but here, there's another lady. At my former church, I used to serve, and we used to go to homeless shelters every Saturday, the same one. And there was this Korean lady who, with her crew, would cook up a bomb Korean soup breakfast meal for 80 to 100 homeless people every Saturday. I mean bomb, better than some restaurants out there, bomb. And I used to go there and we used to serve and this lady would serve and cook up this meal. And then one time I was preaching in front of these homeless people and from the very back walked in another homeless person and I don't know why, but she, he took off his shoe. And when he took off his shoe, the smell and odor of his feet were just going around like the Holy Spirit touching everybody, okay? And I mean, it hit me. It hit me, but it was just not a good hit. It was just like, ooh, that, ooh, what is that? From the corner of my eye, I saw that lady walk straight to that guy. You know what she did? She got on her knees. She started to wash his feet. I was like, why am I preaching? Everybody turn around, look, look. That is example right there of what greatness looks in the kingdom of God. As she was cleaning her, his feet, I even think she was crying. She was hugging him. Who is great to you? 
I look at these ladies, I think of you, even the deacons who are, who with flying colors pass. And next week we're going to go have a beautiful opportunity to celebrate not just how great they are, but how great they are for the kingdom of God. You know what I'm saying? Do I hear an amen? These three men are not here because they have a personal agenda. They're not here because they want, Dave's song is not like, yeah, I'm great, I'm going to, no. He, the church said, look, you, you are the definition of great. We know that you love the church. You'll do whatever sacrificially, selflessly, you'll do it because you love Jesus. So this birth announcement is so important for that. Let me tell you, I mean, before we go to point two, a quick way for us to burn out, a quick way for yourself to not like yourself, to dislike yourself, is when great and the working definition of great for you is worldly success. If that is your definition of great and you live for that, it's a sure way for you not to like yourself. Why? You're going to look at other people. You're going to compare yourself to other people who are greater, who are more rich, who are more successful, and you're not going to like yourself. And then when you don't like yourself, you're going to forget the definition of what the Bible says is great. It's not this worldly successful people. Although they are great in different ways, I'm not saying if you're worldly successful, you can't be great in the kingdom of God. But our definitions have to kind of shift. Where do we begin? You see, our endless pursuit for our working definition of greatness in this world will eventually lead you to your spiritual bed rest. Guarantee. Guarantee. That is one thing I'm sure of. Whereas if we think great means, hey, I look and I fix my eyes upon Jesus. And this Advent season, I think about what he did. And this is my second point. The second point is this birth announcement Gabriel gave was so unique, so powerful, so transformative. Not only because it reveals and highlights the superiority of God's son, but the nature of his birth. The nature. I mean, think about it. Why, God, was Jesus born? Born of a woman. Fleshly. Why? Why didn't he just come in a sun ray? Like, like, oh, like, why didn't he just come that way? Why did he have to be born of a woman, a virgin, a teenager? I mean, why? Because he had to take on human flesh. We call this the incarnation. We call this God taking on flesh, and this is so vital and important because just as we read what justification and sanctification mean, if Jesus did not take on flesh, we do not have justification. We do not have sanctification or even glorification. Because if Jesus was not flesh and came under God's law to fulfill what you and I could not fulfill, we do not have victory over Satan. We do not have, if he did not become flesh, the shedding of his blood where it grants us access to the presence of God. Do I hear an amen? That is why the nature of his birth is so important and vital. And this birth announcement is relevant to you and to me here as we sit. Not only because we think about the greatness, but we think about, oh, Jesus, you actually became flesh? You were tempted like I do get tempted, but there was no sin. And that's why I can hope in you and not hope in me. Hallelujah. That is Christmas. That God, I don't have to hope in what I can achieve. 
that I can look forward in this short temporary world for the longings that are temporary. But because you came in human flesh, because Philippians 2 apostle says that he came, he did not count equality with God, but he looked, he took it all the way to the point of death. And that is why he is great. Because he is a servant of all. And because at the end when he returns, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will say, Jesus, you are the bomb.com. I mean, that's not what we're going to say, but we're going to say, huh, I don't know what we're, we're going to say. But that is the reason. He took on human flesh. Now let me end with a simple illustration here because I don't know if you guys are following or tracking with me here. You see... All these, the superiority of God, Son, Him taking on flesh, it grants us a gift, a present that is free to the presence of God. Yet, as human beings, we are oftentimes like my son. You know I'm going to talk about my son again. A year and a half ago, when I used to guest speak, I don't do it too often anymore. My son would come to me and he would say, present. And I thought, that's kind of weird. What I found out is what he is telling me as a three-year-old or maybe two and a half back then was because I'm leaving, when I come back, he wants a present. Like he wants a materialistic gift. And so that's what my son was translating to me. And I thought, oh, okay. And thank God for Amazon. I would just go on Amazon, get it delivered, prime two days. I'm there. He thinks I got it. And go, oh, thank you or whatever. And it happened multiple times. Every time I would have to go to church or every time I would guest speak, he would run up to me and he would pull my pants and would say, present, present. And I thought, okay, Jake, okay, I'll bring you the present or whatever it is. And it dawned on me. I don't know when it was when I was driving. I forget when it was. And I thought, man, my son at year two and a half or even three longs the present that I can give him over the presence of his own father. I was a little bit hurt. I was driving and I thought, that's kind of sad. My son, he is only two and a half and wants presence and not my presence. And to be honest, I'm being a little bit uh, honest here with you. I was a little hurt. That's kind of sad. And so I didn't bring him a present that day. <laughs> I took it personal. And I had to sit down and just kind of have a time of, rehashing things, and I said, hey, Jake, you know, Daddy, Appa, you want me to be here, or do you want the present? What do you guys think he said? <laughs> he wanted the gift. <laughs> he said, where's Marshall? It's like his favorite character. Where's Marshall? I'm like, no, no, no. At a very young age, I had to teach him, hey, me being with you here is far greater than any gift or present you will ever receive. Folks, it's Christmas coming up. And let's be honest, there's so many things you guys can think of during this season. And Jesus gets the leftovers. 
some of us, Jesus doesn't even get anything. We can go by a whole month of December without really stopping and articulating to our families or maybe to our friends or even to yourself what this Advent season is about. It's not about the present because those things will fade. It will fade away. Is I have an opportunity here, access to the presence of my almighty God who thought of me even before I was born and said, I'm sending Jesus, my own son, so that you could have a relationship with me. And the reason why that is important is because there is no one greater than him. There is no one greater than Christ Jesus. And the nature of his birth leads us to the death of his son Jesus. And now as believers, we look forward to the second coming of his son. Living as the great people of Christ. Not in the worldly term, but in the biblical sense. How can I serve? How can I give more selflessly? Because, not out of duty, again, but because Jesus, you're not only the model, you did it. And I look to you, you're the solution as a response to that. I give myself. Church, that's going to mean some different things for everybody in this room. And I hope that in the next minute as I invite the worship team back up here, that you have a time to pause, to think. All right, it's December 10th. After this, I had plans to go and buy Christmas gifts. And I'm not saying don't do that. Do it. But it may mean for those who are thinking presents, hmm, maybe as I buy this gift for my son or my wife or my friend, I can also pray a personal prayer for him or her. I can pray this gift. Or maybe for some of you who have families out there, it may mean to pause before your holiday break or party and you're, you're the leader or whatever and you say, hey guys, actually let's really think back, what is Christmas? How do we even have this opportunity to gather here? We need to give thanks to our God. For some of you, it may mean as you reflect and for a very rare or few of you, Christmas may not be a good season because you've lost somebody. It reminds you of a lot of pain in the past. And it may mean for you that this season you look to our Heavenly Father who sacrificially gave his son because he loves you unconditionally. And you find value identity not in these outside Christmas lights or whatever, the warm feeling. It doesn't even snow here. It's super hot. But like whatever it is. And you find identity in Christ and not in anything that is packaged as Christmas through this world. 